Thank you for tuning in to the International Family Church Podcast. Our ministry philosophy can be summed up in one statement. It's not about building a great church. It's about building a great people. We love being a church for the whole family, which is why Kids World and IFC Youth are one of the most important ministries here at IFC. Kids World includes all ages from newborn to grade five and is designed to help kids learn about the love of Jesus in a fun and safe environment. IFC Youth includes both junior and senior high students and is intentionally designed to meet the specific set of challenges that face this age group. Every week, kids of all ages are being impacted by leaders who are dedicated to showing the next generation the love of Jesus through high energy services with practical teachings, fun games, and small groups. Visit intlfamilychurch.com for more information about Kids World, IFC Youth, and our service times. Now here's what's coming up at International Family Church. Life groups have one simple purpose, to bring people together. We believe God created us to live in community with others so we can experience the full life God intends for us. Meaningful relationships can be hard to find, and that's why small groups exist, to make life-changing relationships relevant and accessible to you. We launch our new life group season September 9th. We'll be in the cafe after all three services where you can connect with our leaders and sign up to join a group geared toward your interests. You can also check out our website where you can see a list of available life groups beginning September 9th. Your story is important to us. Visit the resource page on our website to share what God has been doing in your life through the teachings at International Family Church. Now here is Pastor Tom Kiesling with part four of our current series. Welcome all of you here today. We welcome all of you that are joining us online today. We're glad that you're you're with us today, and, and we're on part four of What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, subtitled Skillful Living. Uh, last week, I had the opportunity to, to, to stand in uh, pastor's shoes and, and talk about wisdom, skillful living. And so today, we're going to continue on uh, taking a look at the path of wisdom. Are you ready to receive the word today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to worship you, to experience your presence, to be with one another. We thank you for your word. We thank you for lady wisdom. We thank you for the spirit of God who will minister to us today. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We we just place ourselves at your feet and we ask that you speak into our life today. We thank you. We're not here by accident. We thank you the Spirit of God is present, and Lord, we just open our hearts and we draw from you today. Thank you that you'll be glorified, you'll be honored today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. You glad you're here today? Praise God. Summers, uh, I trust you're all having a good summer. No one's complaining about heat or humidity, because summer's short. Enjoy it while you can, right? Amen. So today, I'm going to continue on. Talking about wisdom, uh, let me kind of recap, give a little review to what I shared with you last Sunday. If you weren't here, you can always go online and, and capture the message there. But we talked about, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, and I trust that you're taking time to read the book of Proverbs this summer. Uh, We found last week, we talked about wisdom as one of God's primary attributes. And when you read the first half of the book of Proverbs, specifically chapters 1 through 9, wisdom is personified as a she. She is Lady Wisdom. And she issues out an invitation to us. And if we respond to that wisdom, uh, to that invitation and follow Lady Wisdom, she promises us safety, happiness, favor, and a long life with a good reputation if we follow in her steps. 
You know, godly wisdom promises a happy marriage. Who doesn't want a happy marriage? A great family. It promises a successful career. Who doesn't want a successful career? It promises us a great reputation and a legacy to leave our children. We looked at the Hebrew word wisdom. It is, it's the Hebrew word pronounced hakma. Everybody say hakma. I have that little hak in there, right? Hakma. And, and hakma means to live with skill. It means skillful living, like an artisan who's excelling at their craft, creating a piece of artwork. That's what we are to do with our lives. We are to make our life a piece of art. And so we discovered, how does godly wisdom come into our life? Well, primarily it comes through relationships. First and foremost, it comes with your relationship with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Chapter 1 says, chapter 9 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So knowledge and wisdom, godly knowledge and godly wisdom comes through a relationship with God. We also found that wisdom can come through our parents, through our pastors, through spiritual fathers. Spiritual fathers are role models that, that, that their life emulates the character of Christ. Godly friendships, all these types of relationships are important for us to have so that godly wisdom can flow into our life. We looked at Solomon's exhortations to his son, how he continued to exhort his son with an urgent appeal to follow after God, to follow after Lady Wisdom, to seek God, to trust God, to set boundaries in his life. We found that secure boundaries means a secure future. Amen. As parents, what do we do? That's our full-time job. We're setting up boundaries for our children so that their future can be secured. Amen. And the same thing is true for us. As adults, we need to live with boundaries. Wisdom says set boundaries in place in your life so that you can have a happy life, a successful life, a good life. Amen. And so today, let's take a closer look at the path of wisdom. Jesus spoke of the path of wisdom. He gave proverbs, if you will, illustrations, parables that speak of the path of wisdom and the path of folly. There's two paths that we have the choice to, to, to walk on. We can choose the path of folly or we can choose the path of wisdom. And Jesus described the path of wisdom in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 13. He described about the narrow gate. Here he said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because the narrow, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Frequently, my wife and I will go out to Great Brook, uh, Great Brook Farms in, in Carlisle. It's a great place to go for, for walks. And they have meadows and they have paths. And, and we enjoy going out for walks there. Uh, and, you know, when you're going out into the meadows, it's, it's a beautiful scenery. The path is wide. You're really not paying much attention to the steps that you're taking. You're just walking and enjoying the surroundings, enjoying the view, enjoying the fresh air. But then there are some narrow paths that take you into the woods. And you need to pay attention to the steps that you're taking because you might trip over a stump, over a root, over a rock. You need to pay attention to that narrow path. 
And so Jesus described the path of wisdom as walking on that narrow path where we need to give attention to the steps that we take, the decisions that we make, the relationships that we engage in. Amen. Because narrow is the path. The path of wisdom that leads to life is narrow. That means Jesus was telling us to live our life intentionally. Don't live at happenstance. Don't let it be an afterthought. Your life is so important to God and it's important to you that you should live your life with intentionality. Everybody say intentionality. That means the Bible describes it this way. Live your life with circumspection, with discretion. Pay attention to the steps, the decisions that you're making in your life and make sure that you're taking the path of wisdom and not the path of folly. What did Jesus promise? It leads to life. The path of wisdom, that narrow path leads to life. The Greek word is zoe, life as God has it. That's what Jesus promised us when he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. What kind of life was Jesus speaking of? Peace, joy, righteousness, fulfillment, satisfaction. Amen. Amen. That's the kind of life we all desire and we all want. How do we get to that place? We have to live our life with intentionality. Jesus also described the path of wisdom in a parable that he gave. And we've heard this many times before in Matthew 7, verse 24. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, everybody say, does them, and does them, that should be underlined in your Bible there, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall. Amen. It was founded on the rock. We know who that rock is. It's Christ Jesus. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus is describing something to us, two paths, the way of wisdom and the way of folly. Here in this parable, he's saying, if you want success in your life, you've got to lay it on the foundation that I've laid for your life, the rock. Amen. Everybody wants to be successful in life. Everybody wants to look into their past and say, because of these choices that I've made, it's opened up a door of blessing into my life and into the life of my children and to the people I know, the friendships that I have, because I was a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Amen. Amen. You know, every week we have a choice to become a hearer, just a doer. We can come to church and hear a good word and say, shout down the pastor and say, ooh, that's good preaching. Oh, I feel those goosebumps on my back. Oh, that's wonderful. I feel so good. But it's a whole other thing when you say, I'm going to take that word and I'm going to apply it to my life. And that's something we have to do every, every day. That requires diligence on our part to make sure that we're building our life intentionally upon the rock, Christ Jesus. Amen. Again, Jesus 
describes the path of wisdom and folly. In Matthew 25, he gives the parable of the ten virgins, which many of us have already heard about. He said, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. That's our Jesus. And five of them were foolish, and five, excuse me, five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish, listen, took their lamps, but took no oil with them. But the wise, they took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Notice the difference between the wise and the foolish. The wise person made preparations for the future. They made preparations for the coming bridegroom. Who is the coming bridegroom? It's our Jesus. He came once, but he promised, I'm coming again. And when he comes, he's going to set up his kingdom. And if we are truly wise, we will live our life with eternity in mind. We will prepare our life for a rich, eternal reward. Amen. Do you have oil in your vessel? Are you prepared for the future? Do you think long term or do you think short term? Are you a speculator or are you an investor? Amen. There's a difference between the two. The most stable investments are long-term investment. Your life is a long-term investment. And you need to think with the end in mind. It's like hanging a plumb line. When you're building or hang... I remember when I used to, in college, I hung wallpaper. I don't know most people paint today, but there was a time when people hung wallpaper. Maybe, you know, I don't know if people do that today, but if you don't use a plumb line in hanging wallpaper, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a mess on those walls. Things are not going to line up. And the same thing is true with our lives. If we don't hang a plumb line, if we don't look at the end in mind, if we don't recognize that we are accountable to God, and at some point in our life, we're going to stand before God to give an account for how we handled our lives. Amen. That's wisdom. When you think that way, you will live with intentionality. Can I get an amen? amen. Live with foresight. Be a long-term thinker. Don't make decisions that are just going to benefit you for the here and now. Make decisions that are going to benefit you in the long run. Because the path of wisdom prepares for eternity. So how do we get on this path? How do we get on the path of wisdom? Lady Wisdom invites us to that path. Lady Wisdom is the Spirit of God who, who reached out to you and beckoned you and called you to follow Jesus. So how do we get on the path of wisdom? Very simple, by receiving the gospel, by accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is the very first step that we take on the path of wisdom. The fool has said, there is no God. That's what Psalm says. The fool has said, there is no God. That means I'm not accountable to anyone. I can do whatever I want with my life. But the wise person says, my life is not my own. I've surrendered it to Jesus Christ. I'm just a steward. Amen. And so Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now we're going to look at a number of passages from the first book of Corinthians. If there was any church... 
In Paul's day that needed wisdom from God, it was the Corinthian church because they were so worldly and so carnal and so ruled by their senses, they needed wisdom from God. And so Paul is appealing to to the church that he founded and he's giving them wisdom. And listen to what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. I'm reading here from the NLT version. It reads it this way. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ. Someone say amen. We preach the person of Christ. He was crucified. Well, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks or Gentiles, it's foolishness. But to those who are called, that's us right here. To those that are called, say, I'm called. To those that are called, that wonderful gospel that we heard, the wonderful love story, the greatest story in all the world, the greatest love story, God sent His Son to die on the cross so that we could have His nature, we could have His ability, we could have His Spirit living inside us. To us who are called, say, I'm called. Say, I'm called. Christ, the power of God. And the wisdom of God. We saw in the book of Proverbs that wisdom was personified as she, Lady Wisdom. When you look and read in the Gospels of Jesus Christ, you see wisdom on display. You see the power of God on display. Jesus personified wisdom. That means if we get close to Jesus, if we draw close to Him, that wisdom will flow in our life. That power will flow in our life. Can you say amen? Amen. The gospel is a display of God's wisdom. Think of this. The angels watched this display unfold. As God became a man, who would ever thought of such a plan? And then he took upon the sin of the world and took the punishment of the man and then went into hell itself and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and rose up from the grave, and then gave His Spirit to all who believed on the work that He did on their behalf. What a story. What wisdom from God. But the world, to those who are perishing, this is their wisdom. My good works, my self-effort will make me acceptable to God. That's foolishness. Amen. But to us are called. Aren't you glad you're called? Aren't you glad you responded to the call? Amen. His power and his wisdom is available to us. Paul goes on in the second chapter of Corinthians in verse 6. He says, and he's speaking again about the gospel, the message that he preached. He said, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age 
who are coming to nothing. But we speak the mystery of God. The, excuse me, the wisdom of God in a mystery. What is a mystery? It's a secret. We speak the wisdom of God that was in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the age for our glory, our benefit, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. The very moment you accepted Christ, God's spirit, lady wisdom, took up residence in your heart. Amen. You have the wisdom of God available for all of your decisions that you need to make in this life. When you read each of Paul's letters, Paul was following after God. He was actually performing all of the exhortations that Solomon was giving his son, as we talked about last week. Solomon exhorted his son, seek after the Lord, trust the Lord. Amen. And Paul received a call on his life, and he began to seek after the Lord. He began to trust in the Lord, and he looked to the Lord. The Bible talks about how for a season he went out into Arabia, probably to the very same place Moses went to receive the commandments for God, of God for the nation of Israel, and he sought God. He was born again. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He began to pray and seek God, and God downloaded into Paul's life the New Testament. When you read the letters of Paul, you have revealed knowledge from God. Amen. It's powerful what was written up for you to read. Every time you read Paul's letters, you're going to find revealed knowledge about who you are and what you possess. I'm looking at a bunch of rich people right here. You belong to the king of kings. You're a son and daughter of God. You're clothed with royalty. You're the righteousness of God. You have a new nature. You have a new identity. All of that has been disclosed in Paul's letters. And not only does he give revealed knowledge, he gives godly wisdom on how to apply it. For example, you can read the book of Ephesians. Read the first three chapters. There's revealed knowledge right there. Who you are, what you possess. Read on verses uh, chapter 4, 5, and 6, and you'll find godly wisdom for your decisions and for your relationships. Amen. If you get yourself in the book, tap your neighbor, say, man, you got to get in the book. You got to get in the book. You will find waiting for you revealed knowledge and godly wisdom that will make your life successful, that will make your relationships successful. I like how Paul closes this out, and I want to give you the amplified version in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Here's a great, great scripture for you to confess when you find yourself in a place where you don't know what to do, what decision to make. You feel like you're under pressure, and your natural response is to say, I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'm paralyzed. I'm stuck. Don't say those things. Make a bold confession. 
based on 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. It says, Who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct Him? Is there anybody like that here today? Not one. No one has that ability. But listen to what it says here. We have the mind of Christ. Say this. I have the mind of Christ. Say it boldly. I have the mind of Christ. When you're faced with a decision, a tough decision, and you're not sure what to do, the first thing you should do is open up your tongue. That's the rudder to your ship. You need to get that tongue in gear, and you need to boldly and confidently say, I have as my present possession, lady wisdom abiding in me. I have the mind of Christ. The Amplified says, I hold the thoughts the feelings and the purposes of my Father's heart. It's all in there. I can retrieve it. I can access it because the Spirit of God lives in me. Can you say amen? Isn't that a wonderful promise? So make sure you say that. Make sure you're saying that all the time. We're not wandering about wondering what to do. We're not a people that are confused. We have an inward compass, a GPS. We've got wisdom on the inside of it. We've got the mind of Christ, and we can make the right decisions. Now, look at the anointing in Jesus' life. Isaiah is a, is a wonderful book. It, it has a lot of prophecies about the, the Messiah. And one of the great prophecies of the Messiah is Isaiah 53, how he was on the cross. He bore our sin. He became sin for us. He, the, the stripes that were on his back brought healing for us. We sang that this morning. But there's another powerful prophecy about the three and a half years of the life and ministry of Jesus. It's found in Isaiah 11, verse 2 and 3. This is descript of the anointing. And remember, last week we talked about wisdom being personified as she. The Holy Spirit can be personified as she. His greatest attribute is not just power, but wisdom. Look how the, the, the anointing came on Jesus' life. I broke this up in three parts here. It says that the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, speaking of Jesus. Then it describes it. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. That might means ability, God's ability. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, because that anointing rested upon Jesus, notice what it did in his decision-making process. It says here, And it shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of, the, of his eyes, nor shall he reprove after the hearing of his ears. So that everything, you know, one story that strikes me, remember when, when uh, Mary Magdalene was caught in adultery and the religious leaders were surrounding them, ready to cast stones at her? And what did Jesus do? You get the picture? You remember Jesus, what he was doing in the sand? He was doing this verse. He wasn't going to judge after the sight of his eyes. He wasn't going to hear after the hearing of his ears. But let's take a look at this portion here. What does quick understanding in the fear of the Lord mean? What's he saying here? The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. One translation says, shall delight in the fear of the Lord. The Hebrew word for these quick understanding means breath 
and smell. Think about that. Breath and smell. Have you ever been driving through the center of town and all of a sudden you... Chinese food. You ever done that? Or walk out your back door in your neighborhood and steak on the grill. Oh, you didn't see it. You didn't hear it. But as you took a breath, you smelt it. What is that speaking of? It's speaking that God has given us the ability to have a divine sense. Everybody say divine sense. He's given us an ability, a divine sense as to what is right for our life and what is wrong for our life. What is right for our children, what is wrong for our children. Amen. Amen. Jesus had a divine sense as to what God the Father wanted done. He didn't judge after the sight of his eyes. He didn't judge after the hearing of his ears. He followed Lady Wisdom that was residing on the inside of his heart. Can you say amen? That same anointing that was on Jesus has taken up residence in your heart. You have the mind of Christ. You have the anointing. You have Lady Wisdom. You have something present within you so that you can build a life of peace, joy, success. Amen? Amen? You got to believe that. It's present on the inside of you. So if you'll follow the admonitions of Solomon to his son and seek the Lord, seeking is a process. You don't try it. You don't punch in in church and that's all you do spiritually. You won't get anywhere with seeking with. Seeking God is a 24-7 thing. In fact, as you grow in the things of God, you will find that your prayer life is not just a morning thing. It's throughout the day thing. You're in constant communion with God. You're seeking after Him. You're constantly listening to His voice. You're constantly getting quiet, especially when you're in a season of test or trial or season of transition, needing to make decisions. Praise God, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have lady wisdom in us that we can tap into. That means we can build a good foundation for our life. And Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10. He referred to himself as a a wise master builder, a wise construction person. Amen. How many know it's important to have wise construction people who know the code, who know the specs, who are familiar with engineering? We just saw on the news in Italy that long bridge that collapsed as a result of a construction failure. We don't want to go in our life and find ourselves coming into a season where everything collapses in our life. But if we are a wise master builder, a a wise construction uh, person, we'll build our life according to the code. What's the code? Your Bible. The teachings of Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, According to the grace of God, Paul again is speaking here, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We build upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our foundation. 
So now if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. What day? The day that Jesus comes. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. A fire is coming to each and every one of our life. It's the presence of God. It's an examination. At the end of your race, you will stand before God. I will stand before God. We will give an account for the decisions that we make in our life. Wisdom has foresight. Wisdom knows what's coming down the road. So we will make the best decisions, the right relationships that speak of silver, gold, precious stones. Put them in the fire and what happens? They come out refined even better. If you're building wood, straw, hay, what happens when the, when the torch is lit? <laughs> Gone. Poof. No eternal reward. Are you living your life for eternal rewards? You should be. The wise person sees the end in mind. Lives for eternity. We need to become eternity-minded, and we need to build a life, amen, based on the foundation of God's Word, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He gives another illustration here, the Apostle Paul. He talks about running the race. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I would encourage you to read these portions of the Scripture I gave to you. They all speak of living your life with wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. What? The prize. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. A competitor is temperate. Everybody say temperate. He's self-controlled. He's self-governed. He's disciplined. Now, why does he do that? To obtain a prize. Listen again to verse 25. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, disciplined, self-controlled, self-governed in all things. Did I say all things? All things. That means your decisions, your relationships, everything about your life needs to be applied with self-control, discipline, self-governing. Now they do it for, to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, Paul says, I don't run with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who's beating the air, but I discipline. Everybody say discipline. Man, that's a good word. That's a, good, that's a word to get happy about. That's a word to shout about. If you're a person of wisdom, say, yeah, you preach that discipline stuff. Am I right? But I discipline my body. I don't want to discipline my body. I love my body. If you love your body, you'll put your flesh under. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Disqualified from the blessings of God. Disqualified from an eternal reward. It can happen. If you take the path of folly... A person who's a fool is carnal, worldly, and sensual. That's not my definition. That's the biblical definition of the fool. When we think of foolish, we think of, oh, that's silly. You're just being silly. You're goofy. No, playing the part of the fool is following the world's way, living without any conviction in God's word. Amen. 
Nudge your neighbor say, he's preaching good now. <laughs> things that disqualify us. I'll give you three things today that you can take home with you that disqualify us from the blessing of God, from eternal rewards. And these things we have absolute total control of in our life. Three things. You ready? Number one, your attitude. Your attitude. Number two, your speech. Number three, your conduct. These three things, you and I, we have absolute total control over. Doesn't matter what's going on around us. If we follow the path of wisdom, we won't react to adverse circumstances. We'll respond to them by making wise choices. Amen. Amen. So let me ask a couple of questions. These would be good questions to ask yourself about your attitude. Question, are you teachable? Are you teachable? Ask yourself that. Can you be a good team player? Can you take instruction from a peer? Can you take correction from a leader? Can you learn from someone younger than yourself? Question, are you teachable? Let me ask you another question. Are you intentional with your life? Are you diligent with your life? Now, let's take a look as we close today. Uh, a number of Proverbs that you can find, and there's certainly more. I'm just picking out a few uh, from the book of Proverbs, from ch chapters 10 to 29. You'll find lots of Proverbs or riddles. Everybody say riddles. What are Proverbs? Proverbs are like riddles, and they may even have like a poetic flair to it, though we can't see it because we're reading it in English. If you understood Hebrew and read it in Hebrew, it probably had, it probably had some catchiness to it. It probably had something that, you know, uh, like when you're teaching a young child, you can teach a young child using song and rhythm and rhymes, and they'll catch it. They'll remember it, right? Right. You can't meditate on Proverbs like you would meditate on, on the New Testament. You've got to take one proverb, one riddle, and chew on it. Because Proverbs are pithy. Everybody say pithy. What is that word, pithy? Pithy means it's got substance. It's got stuff to it. Everybody say stuff. Stuff that'll change your life. So you take a proverb and you chew it. I, it's kind of like chewing bazooka bubble gum. Anybody ever used to chew bazooka? But I used to love opening up those packs and stuffing it in my. I wouldn't take one. I take several. I just tell you got a chipmunk face and you're chewing on that and it's just yummy and gooey and just tasty. Or we used to have those little box uh, machines where you'd put in a dime and get, get bubble gum. We had those big, big, uh, what were they, jawbreakers? Yeah, big ones. And you chew on it and you chew on it. And by the time you, you lost all the flavor, what do you do? You spit it out. That's how you handle a proverb. You chew on it, you chew on it, you think about how can I apply this to my life, my relationships, my family, my marriage, and then you spit it out. So take one proverb at a time and chew on it. All right. Let me give you a couple of proverbs concerning our attitude. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Haughty means proudful. So what's that say? 
If you live your life in arrogance and pride, what's ahead of you? Destruction, problems, a fall, a catastrophe. But the flip side of that verse says, before honor is humility. So what does that mean? If I live my life teachable, receptive to instruction and correction, I can look forward into my life and see promotions coming. Honor's coming. Open doors for me is coming. Amen. Proverbs 22, 4 says, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. If you're able to receive instruction and correction, if you're teachable, what's ahead of you? Riches, honor, and life. That's what Proverbs says. How about diligence? There's lots of scriptures, lots of Proverbs that talks about diligence. Diligence, the word diligence means to have a sharp edge. That means you sharpen your, li your, your life like a knife so that you can make those cuts, make those decisions and do it right with excellence. Proverbs 10.4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 12.24, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Hello? Proverbs 13, 4, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Again, Proverbs 21, 5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty, looking for a get-rich scheme, those playing the lottery. Uh, you had to say that, right? Yeah, I had to say that. Okay. Got that out. But those, of, uh, but those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. So here, Proverbs talks about having humility, being a diligent person with your life. Now, we think about diligence with work, and that's important. We should, Christians should be the most diligent, on-time, productive workers. Yeah. Amen. It should. Don't plan working for yourself if you're not diligent to work for someone else. But this diligence I want to impress is being diligent with your life, using discretion, looking at the steps that you're taking, evaluating your own life. If things aren't going right for you, if you find yourself on a hard path, you have to ask yourself the question, what am I doing wrong? Evaluate your life. God is not our problem. He's our answer. Guess who our problem is? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's true. Nonetheless, our attitude, I heard one preacher say, I think it was Buddy Harrison said, your attitude will determine your altitude. A great saying. Another proverb. How about your speech? Ask yourself the question, does your speech build people up or tear people down? Does it bless or does it curse? Is it seasoned with negativity or is it seasoned with positivity? Amen. Perhaps you know some people, acquaintances, and every time you have conversation with them, they're always complaining about something. It could be something on the other side of the world they're complaining about. It has nothing to do with their life, but they're complaining. Or they're whining about something, or fussing, or talking about how difficult things are. That's not an enjoyable conversation to be a part of. Can I get an amen? Or maybe you're that person. 
you need to ask yourself. Christians should be the most positive, optimistic people in the world because of what God has done for us. Season your talk. Watch your tongue. A diligent person watches what comes out of their mouth. Come on, parents. This is what you're teaching your kids. Isn't that right? Watch what's going into your mind. Watch your attitude. Watch what's coming out of your mouth. Here's some great Proverbs concerning our speech, and there's plenty more in the book of Proverbs. 15 verse 4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness... You know, negativity is perverseness in the sight of God. It says, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. You get around negative talk long enough, it'll break you down so that you can't believe anything for your life. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. This is a good one. This is kind of a funny one. Have you ever opened up your mouth and regretted it? Have you ever said something and opened up into a big blowout discussion or an argument? Whoever guards his mouth, think twice before you speak. Keep yourself from trouble. No one likes getting egg on their face. How many times have you got egg on your face and said, I wish I had never had that discussion with that person? Proverbs 18, 21, we're familiar with this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue has the ability to release the life of God or your tongue has the ability to release a host of demons to come into your environment and wreak havoc. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then finally, conduct. Ask this question about yourself. Does my conduct reveal the character of Jesus? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Can you say that about your life? If someone was to examine my life, they would get an accurate representation of the gospel. They would get an accurate representation of the heart of our Father. They would see Jesus. And so if we live our life with skill, our life will become a witness of the love of God to those that are around us. Every day we have a choice to make. We can choose to keep our attitude right, our speech right, our conduct right, we have the power to do that. Lady Wisdom says, man, keep that mouth shut. Straighten up that attitude. Walk circum- walk tight. You know, you've heard pastors say, others may, I may not. Live a life of excellence because your life is meant to be a witness. Just as God displayed wisdom through the life of Jesus, He wants to display the wisdom of God through your life. So when people look at you, they're drawn to the gospel. Can you say amen? Amen. Perhaps you're here today and you're new here at IFC and you say, man, I'd like to get on the path of wisdom. I want to get onto that narrow path. Maybe a friend brought you here. Maybe you've just been, you got curious about who we are and you decide I'll, I'll check them out on a Sunday. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here for a second or third time. And you've never prayed that simple prayer that that gets one on the path of wisdom. If you're here today and you've never prayed a simple prayer to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, invite Him into your life. Your opportunity is knocking at the door right now. You're not here by accident. You're watching online. You're not watching this this sermon by accident. God loves you. 
Jesus died for you. He has a life plan for you. It's not for you to create your own life. God wants you to discover the life he has for you. And today you can begin that path. Get on that narrow path by accepting Jesus Christ. I'd ask everyone here today before we close the service, if you would just close your eyes and bow your head as I give an invitation. Lady Wisdom is calling right now. I give an invitation to you watching online and those of you here today. If you've never prayed to accept Jesus Christ, this is the wisest decision you will ever make in your life. It will open up heaven into your life. If you've never prayed, Jesus, be Lord of my life. And you want to pray that prayer today. Would you raise your hand? I'm not going to call you for it. I just want to see who you are. And then we're going to pray a special prayer for you. And we're all going to pray together. But I'd like to see an acknowledgement today. If you're here today, maybe this is your first or second time. You're new here at IFC. And you've never prayed that special prayer to accept Christ into your life. But today you feel, this is my time. This is my moment. I want to pray. And I want you, Pastor Tom, to pray for me. Just raise your hand so I can see who you are. Who are you? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you for it. I see that hand. Thank you, ma'am. You can put that hand down. Sir, you can put that hand down. Anybody else like to pray that prayer? This is just between you and God. This is a very special and powerful moment for your life. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. You may put that hand down. Thank you. Anyone else? Just a few hands today. That's wonderful. God has a plan for your life. Is there anybody else? I'll just wait one more moment. Give you the opportunity to pray. If you're watching online and you're hearing this for the first time, you've never prayed that prayer to accept Christ, you can pray this prayer that we're all going to pray here today. Just mean it with all your hearts. This is between you and God. Are you ready to pray? Say this prayer after me and just mean it with all your heart. Say this, God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Jesus, Thank you for dying for me. I accept you into my life. I call you my Lord, my Savior. From this moment forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, you just stepped on the path of wisdom for your life. Can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We all can grow deeper in our relationship with God. Either by joining a life group or our monthly growth track called Next Steps, we want to help you grow and reach your full potential. Next Steps is held after each service. Come join us next Sunday to discover how to take the next step. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends and family. If you're a young adult, check out the YNG podcast where we discuss relevant topics for your age. To stay connected to what's happening and catch up on the current series, check out intlfamilychurch.com. Thanks again for listening.